our sins. Romans 3, verse 25 says that God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. Lord's Day 15 repeats this when it says that Christ is the only atoning sacrifice. This is what I'll speak to you about this evening. I proclaim Jesus Christ, the only atoning sacrifice for our sins. In the first place, the necessity. In the second, the perfection. And in the third place, the benefits of his atoning sacrifice. Before we speak about the necessity of Christ's atonement, we need to make sure that we understand what atonement means. Atonement means to make amends, to blot out an offense, to give satisfaction for wrong done, to reconcile between yourself and someone you've offended by your behavior. In short, it is to restore a relationship that had fallen apart. We disrupted the relationship between God and us. The relationship had started off good, but we, by our offensive behavior, our sin, alienated ourselves from God. We needed to atone for our sins. We disturbed the relationship, so really, it was up to us to repair it. Our problem is we can't. We lack the power and the resources. We offended the holy God. It's, his very, it's in his very nature to hate sin, and it is his nature to punish sin. We could not expect to be accepted by the holy God, to have fellowship with him, unless atonement was made. But our problem was that sin clings even to our best works. Anything we would hope to do to make amends with God would only increase our guilt, would only worsen our situation. We were not able to establish our own righteousness before God. Think of the rather negative assessment of man given in Job 15, verse 14 through 16. What is man that he could be pure, or one born of woman that he could be righteous? Man who is vile and corrupt, who drinks up evil like water. Do you understand the plight of the children of man? As Paul wrote in Romans 3, verse 22 and 23, there is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All are in danger of perishing. By nature, we are objects of God's wrath. Do not even try to establish righteousness before God by your own efforts. The exercise of free will will only lead you away from God. And actually, we have no free will. By nature, our will is bound to disobey. The only freedom we have by nature is to do the will of the enemy, Satan. Our situation was hopeless, desperate. Together with all of mankind, the wrath of God pressed down upon us too. It is against this background of human hopelessness that the word of God sets forth the love, the grace, the mercy, the pity, the kindness and compassion of God. God was the offended creator. Do you understand what he did? Our holy God, the one who we offended by our sin, the one who demanded we make atonement for our sins, the one who had every right to punish us in his just wrath because of our inability to make atonement, he himself provided the necessary atonement. We're at the very center of the gospel here. From Genesis 3, verse 15, 
when God first promised a Savior to our first parents, right after they sinned, to the last verses of Revelation, where our Lord Jesus Christ tells us that he is coming again. This good news shines forth with breathtaking glory. The good news of God's atoning work on our behalf is centered upon the cross of Jesus Christ. Atonement was necessary because of our sin. Our inability to make atonement made the cross of Christ necessary. The only one who could reconcile us to God was the Son of God dying on a cross. Do not think that in the middle of time, God wondered what he was going to do to save us from the mess into which we got ourselves, and then he thought up the idea of sending his only son. The death of the Son of God on the cross was not some delayed idea of God the Father. As Peter said in Acts 2, verse 23, Jesus Christ was handed over to be crucified by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. In 1 Peter 1, verse 20, Peter teaches that Jesus Christ, who redeemed us by his blood, was designated to be our Savior before the creation of the world. The Old Covenant prepared the world for the great event of the cross. All the sacrifices of the Old Testament looked forward to the coming of Jesus Christ and his death on the cross for sinners. Especially the Passover lamb was a picture of the Lord Jesus. It was God the Father who sent his son to be his lamb to take away our sins. A number of texts bear witness to this. God loved the world so much that he gave his only son. That's John 3.16. And in Isaiah 53 we read, it was God's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And in Romans 3 verse 25, that God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement. However, that God the Father sent the Son does not mean the Son came unwillingly. He willingly died upon the cross. He committed himself to suffering and dying for our sins before the creation of the world. He laid down his life for his sheep. He poured out his life unto death. As Paul said in Ephesians 5, Christ gave himself up as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. The atoning sacrifice of the death of Christ Jesus on the cross was necessary because of our sins. Before the creation of the world, God the Father had designated his Son to die for us who would, in time, sin. The Old Testament looked forward to the sacrifice, and in the fullness of time, the Lord Jesus came. As question and answer 37 says, He bore in body and soul the wrath of God against man's sin. By his sacrifice, he has redeemed us from everlasting damnation, and he obtained for us the grace of God, righteousness, and eternal life. Not only was the atoning sacrifice that Christ brought necessary, it, he, was perfect. We'll now speak about the perfection of the only atoning sacrifice in our second point. In the time of the Old Covenant, Israel was to bring unflawed animals to make atonement for themselves. Some 50 times the Old Testament law said things like, the animals, your sheep or your goats, you, mu you offer must be without defect. 
Possible defects could be lameness, blindness, or some other serious flaw. And the priest had to check that animal over first. If it had a blemish such as a lame leg or a missing eye, then the priest would tell the one who tried to pawn a sick animal off as an atoning sacrifice for sin that God would not accept it, that he would have to take it home and come back with another one, one without defect. Why did it matter? Because the animal sacrifices of the Old Testament were only types of the real atoning sacrifice. They only foreshadowed the real one. In themselves, they were even ineffective. As Romans 3.25 says, in the time of the Old Testament, God left the sins committed during that time, unpunished. The lambs and goats, the bulls and oxen, all the sacrifices of the Old Testament did not in themselves atone for the sins of God's people. And yet, when the sacrifices were faithfully offered, God's people did live under grace. Their sins were paid for with a view to the sacrifice that Christ was going to bring much later. The offense against God was covered, but only because of Christ's sacrifice. What actually blotted out the sins was not the animal's blood. Hebrews 10 verse 11 speaks about how day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. What actually blotted out the sins of God's people, also in the Old Testament time, was the blood of the sinless Christ Jesus. So sin committed before and after the cross were punished in Christ Jesus on the cross. That's why the sacrificial animals in the Old Testament had to be without flaw. They had to be without defect because they foreshadowed the perfect Jesus Christ. As Peter wrote, we are redeemed with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. We've seen in previous question and answers of the Heidelberg Catechism that our meteor had to be perfect, sinless, because a sinner cannot pay for sinners. He had to be innocent. The physical flawlessness of the sacrificial animal in the Old Testament foreshadowed the moral perfection of our Lord Jesus Christ, his perfect innocence and sinlessness. Question and answer 36 already spoke of his innocence. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and thus kept from the taint of sin. Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor who condemned Christ Jesus to death, also attested to the innocence of Christ. Question and answer 38 speaks about that. If you read the accounts of the trial of Christ before the Roman governor, you'll read that Pilate repeatedly declared Christ innocent. As the crowds cried, crucify him, crucify him, repeatedly Pilate asked, why? What crime has he committed? Pilate knew the man before him was innocent. Pressured by the crowds and seeing that he was getting nowhere protesting the innocence of Jesus of Nazareth, he finally took some water, he washed his hands in front of the crowd, and he said, I'm innocent of this man's blood. It's your responsibility. As question answer 38 says, Christ was innocent. He was declared innocent by a judge, and yet he was condemned. He was condemned for us. He was sacrificed under the burden of God's wrath against our sins. And so, he freed us. He made atonement for us. He set us free from the judgment of God. And this brings us to our third point. 
the benefits of the atoning sacrifice of Christ Jesus. So Lord's Day 15 does mention a number of benefits. He redeemed us, body and soul, from everlasting damnation. He freed us from the severe judgment of God that was to fall on us. He took upon himself the curse that lay on us. And so he obtained for us the grace of God, righteousness and eternal life. Do you understand what happened at the cross? At the cross, God reconciled us to himself. He overcame his own hostility towards us that our sins provoked. The cross quenched God's wrath against us by removing our sins from his sight. On the cross, Christ assumed our identity and endured the curse that we deserved by our sin. He suffered and died as our substitute in our place with the damning record of our sins nailed to his cross, my sins nailed to the cross, he dying for me and for you. By his atoning sacrifice, Christ has redeemed us from the powers of sin, death, and hell. He has defeated those powers that once held us captive. Mercy and glory are promised and assured to all who believe in him. Having given us his only son, Jesus Christ, he will give us everything we need. He will and does lavish upon his love, upon us, his love for the sake of his son who died for us. In this life, he blesses us with every spiritual benefit, faith, assurance, comfort, joy, peace. For the sake of his son, he promises us eternal life with him in heaven on the new earth. All these benefits may be summed up in a word, reconciliation. God has reconciled himself to us through the atoning sacrifice of his son. Through faith in Jesus Christ, our sins and misdeeds no longer count against us, united to Christ by faith. We receive a new life and are declared righteous by God. As Paul wrote in Romans 3, being right with God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. And the message that we are left with is plain. It is the message of the gospel, and the call of the gospel is clear. Be reconciled to God through faith in Jesus Christ. Amen.